Welcome to America's Commercial Real Estate Show, your source for market intel, forecasts, and strategies. Hello, I'm Michael Bull. Thank you for being with us. This segment is brought to you by Vista Property Report. Check it out. You can use smartphone data to check out a site or a property. It's pretty amazing. And in fact, you can get some free reports. Just visit Vista Property Report slash CRE show. Well, speaking of show, we have a fabulous show for you today. I think everyone in our industry is really curious about the lending market, about loans, about mortgages. You know, what is going on? Is there some default? How much default is there? What type of properties? What should we expect moving forward? How, how much will funding be available? How, how much capital and debt will be available for commercial real estate? What should we expect moving forward? Well, we're in luck. We have a special guest with us. We have Tom Fink. He is SVP and Managing Director with TREP, and I know you've heard him before. Welcome to the show. Welcome back, Tom. Thanks a lot, Michael. It's great to be here. Well, Tom, you guys do an incredible job of tracking uh, tracking the market. Uh, first of all, just how much delinquency is there out there right now? Here we are. What are we? Uh, almost Thanksgiving here in 2020. Um, I think there's a lot of de delinquency out there. The, the headline delinquency number has gotten better, but part of that is there's a lot been a lot of forbearance uh, in the process going forward. There are lots of loans that we look at that are listed as current, but they haven't made a payment in a couple of months on the mortgage. They're dipping into reserves. They're doing other things that allow them to keep the cash flow current and the services are advancing as they're required to under CMBS. So we think there's the headline delinquency rate and then there's the shadow delinquency rate, which is loans which are in forbearance. And you know you can find those when they're in their hotels or retail. Um, those are two, two property types I think that you know, dominate the concerns of everybody in the marketplace today. And what are those headline numbers for the ones? Uh... Uh, you know, I, I, I think you have to just go to our website and look them up. I forgot to look <laughs> them up this morning, but it's in it's in the high single digits. It almost got to the same level that it hit uh, of around 10 percent that it hit during the great financial crisis in 07, 08. Uh, but one of the big differences is it got there in three months instead of a year and a half. Yeah. And what's the real story when you pull back the onion? How many people, how many loans have are behind? You, you know, I think you're, you're, I think we're still, we're seeing something in the teens, uh, low to mid teens. Um, you know, there are, uh, you know, everybody has recognized that there are a large number of property owners through no fault of their own that are backs up against the wall. Uh, none of us saw COVID coming, um, uh, well, some people may have seen it coming, but nobody realized just how nasty this one was going to be and how bad it was going to affect the whole country. Um, you know, obviously, we've seen a huge shift from uh, in-store retail to online retail, which has been great for the industrial sector. Uh, people are still fighting over that last mile uh, facility that allows you to get product to customers faster. I mean, Walmart has a great situation. I mean, they've got warehouses all over the country. They call them stores. Um, but if you order from Walmart, one of the fun games is figuring out which Walmart store ships you the goods. Um, it's not unusual um, to get, you know, three packages from Walmart from three different parts of the country for one order. Whereas Amazon tries to use a central warehouse, central distribution system. In many ways, Walmart has a distributed warehouse system. Yeah. Well, if the CMBS market um, 
if we're not really getting kind of the real numbers, if you will, on how much delinquency there is, um, what about with the bank loans? You know, the I guess the regulators are kind of uh, letting them go a little bit here too as well. What, what do you see there? Well, so we do, um, part of what we do is we work with a group of about 20 banks that they give us on a quarterly basis, very detailed loan level performance information, which we then anonymize, scrub and give back to them for their modeling and risk management purposes. Uh, but obviously we're looking at the data and what we're seeing there uh, is a relatively low level of delinquencies. And part of the reason for that is that, um, you know, the regulators, the OCC, the FDIC, the Federal Reserve and Congress through the CARES Act all basically said that for the short term, if you accommodate your retail borrower, your real estate borrowers, and you do that because they have a COVID related problem, you don't have to consider it a troubled debt restructuring or TDR. Um, so it doesn't go in the bad loan bucket. The authority to do that, the relief that was granted was short term. It pretty much rolls off at the end of this year. Uh, we are starting to see some slight uptick in the number of distressed loans in the bank portfolios, but um, I think it's going to be a question of what do we see going forward in the first quarter of 2021. And how much relief did the regulators give the, the banks um, on not uh, you know, putting these loans as, as troubled? Was it just uh, 90 days or was it really? They gave them up to about six months. Wow. It was really the end of the year. So, I mean, look, everyone was hoping that COVID would be a short-term problem. Uh, it has gone from being a short-term problem to, you know, at best guess, the long, a, a, a medium problem. But, you know, I, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm normally an optimist, Michael. <laughs> I'm not pessimistic that we're going to get to the end of the COVID tunnel anytime soon. Yeah. Well, what about the... Um regulators, how are they going to look at that? You said that uh, is going to expire at the end of the year. I, you know, I think they're, they're caught between a rock and a hard place. They want the banks to be sound banks, but they don't want to be caught in a position where they force the banks to do things that make no economic sense. I mean, it's, it's, if, if you're, if you've got loans outstanding, which not a lot of them do, but let's say you've got loans outstanding to retail in your bank. And they have lots of exposure to the retail market, not just their real estate loans, but also, you know, they lend a lot of money to small local businesses, a lot of restaurant exposure. They have a huge, ex I mean, their, their retail exposure is probably highest to car dealers in, you know, uh, showroom financing plans. So there's a huge exposure to the re retail market. So if people stop buying, the banks are going to have trouble um, to some extent. Um, but I think that they don't want to force the banks to basically take over properties or close down businesses that are, are trying to get by. So the pain is going to be spread wide. It's going to affect everybody. Um, you know, I mean, just, just you and I individually, I mean, our lives have been turned upside down over the last nine months because of this. Um, I mean, we've been working from home since March. Um, you know, fortunately for, Fortunately for TREP, TREP is a kind of business that um, I don't want to say in-person office is a luxury, but we can function in this remote environment for an extended period of time. We've already shown that. Um, you do miss something in person, but, you know, we're, we're doing okay. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. So if the regulators 
hadn't given these banks through the end of the year. Um, and you're saying that this is not going to be fixed by the end of the year. I guess everyone sees that the vaccine uh, might not be available to anyone, even first responders till maybe December. Um, so what happens to, to January? We start seeing uh, a lot of problem loans pop up. You know, I think you're going to start seeing some problem loans. I think you're going to see an increase in it. I think the, you know, it's, it, it, I mean, the, the uh, business roundtable, uh, the real estate roundtable has, you know, gotten a lot of uh, other trade groups and industry groups to go to, you know, the federal regulators and the Congress saying, look, you've got to extend this release so the banks continue to work with borrowers. So you don't, you know, create a situation where the banks are just, you know, forced to liquidate loans or forced to start foreclosing on properties when there's, you know, no markets in place. You know, the flip side is some of the some borrowers we've seen it. We're starting to see it in retail uh, a couple of times in, in hotels as well, where the borrowers are just sending the keys in. They're just they're calling the servicer and saying, "I'm done." You know, it's yours. I mean, you had uh, I think it was you know one of the big REITs. I don't want to say which one because I'd have to check to make sure don't slander anybody. But they basically took their entire mall portfolio and gave it back to the lenders. So there are some sophisticated players that are just saying, you know what, retail is going to be a long slog. I'm going to take my capital out of retail now. I'm going to take my losses and redeploy. Who would be um, responsible for extending um giving some relief to these banks um, past December. Is that the president? Is that Congress? It's, it's Congress first. Um, it's also, you know, the FDIC, OCC, Federal Reserve acting in concert uh, could do something like that. I think the Treasury, Secretary of the Treasury has some moral suasion there because the OCC technically, I believe, is part of Treasury. Um, but you do need all three of the, the bank regulators acting in concert um, for there to be a standard uniform national policy or okay. Congress has to pass a law. Yeah. So what does all this mean for available uh, funding and financing for commercial real estate uh, moving forward right now and moving forward? So the, the ironic thing is, I think there's plenty of capital out there, um, you know, a couple of things are driving that. One is there is a massive shift in the investment world from public securities to private assets. And that shift is not stopping. People are continuing to raise private credit funds, private real estate funds. So there's a lot of private credit money out there. Um, it's not your traditional banks. It's, um, you know, um, it's, you know, your REITs, your mortgage REITs, your hedge funds, your private equity funds, um, you know, the pension funds are pooling capital together to lend into the space. People are looking for higher returns than they can get in the treasury market or the bond market. And so there's plenty of capital out there. It's not cheap. Um, it is, you know, the cost of capital is still, your best execution is still bank life company, CMBS, those are still your least expensive sources of capital. But if you've got a transitional loan, if you've got an asset that you need to do some work on, um, you're going to go to the alternative lending community and you're going to be looking at, you know, interest rates in the high single digits, low teens, which I mean, for me, that doesn't seem all that bad. I remember my first mortgage was at 16 percent. So, 
you know, um, but uh, if you're used to, you know, the way rates have been the last 10 years, it's, it seems pretty high. But then again, that's, you know, it's the old golden rule. Him at the gold makes the rules. Yeah, it's funny you say that. I told someone yesterday that there was a time when I was a really young agent where uh, the interest rates were 17 percent. And if I got a 12 percent owner finance deal, I was really doing something. You know, uh, I remember those days. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this. The debt industry. Are you hearing anything from the industry, if you will, uh, about the uh, outcome of the presidential election either way and how they how they feel about it? Um, I think the industry is expecting more regulation. I I don't think anybody um, thinks that's going to change. I think you look at, you know, who's on the Democratic side. You've got Elizabeth Warren. uh, You've got. Bernie Sanders, who have, you know, traditionally been big foes of Wall Street uh, and the banks, you know, Biden has been a more middle of the road guy when it comes to Wall Street and the banks. But um, I think there's uh, the people that want to regulate the banks and rein them in and potentially split the bank Wall Street from commercial banks like it was during the Glass-Steagall days or their voices are going to be loud. Um, I think the fact that the Democrats have a diminished majority in the House and we still don't know who controls the Senate um, is going to be be an issue. I don't think um, the Biden administration will have the sort of free reign that the Obama administration did in its first first term um, when it had, you know, pretty much bulletproof majorities in both the House and the Senate. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how that all plays out. That being said, any place that, you know, um, Trump issued an executive order, um, there's going to be, uh, investigation of, is there going to be a Biden executive order countermanding the Trump executive order? Cause some of those Trump executive orders were countermanding the Obama executive orders, um, so I think part of the challenge going forward is Congress has got to write better legislation that makes it clear what they intend um, and not just kind of leave it to the executive branch to sort of interpret and fill out the, the, the gaps in the law. But we'll see what happens. Would you expect that to impact uh, the availability of debt uh, moving forward or do does the debt industry feel it, it might? You know, there's so much capital out there right now. Um, I think if there were if there were a move to cap interest deductions for business, um, that might slow things down for a while as businesses try to figure out what what is their capital structure structure supposed to look like. Uh, but barring that, um, you know, everybody I talk to has got production targets that they're striving to meet and they're trying to grow. First of all, they're trying to replace any loans that are rolling off and then they're trying to grow the portfolio overall. And I think that's across the board um, what we're seeing. As I said earlier, a lot of borrowing, a lot of equity has moved out of the public markets into the private markets. 
which I think is is going to increase the cost because um, those private target reels are higher than what you get in the public markets. Um, it's going to reduce the transparency in the markets. It's going to be harder to see what's going on uh, because deals are going to be behind closed doors. Um, you might there there might there I mean there's going to be traces. You'll be able to piece piece put pieces together. You're still going to have you know if somebody issues a mortgage and records a lien, that's still going to show up in the recorder's book. Uh, but as we all know, that data is messy, um, incomplete, and obscure at times. Yeah. Well, it's interesting to hear you say that. We're talking with uh, Tom Fink with TREP uh, about the debt world. As you mentioned, you know, kind of private equity providing um, capital. I'm actually working on a deal today and yesterday that's providing $13 million worth of debt to a sponsor, uh, buying some existing properties. And uh, it's, it's, it's a private investor uh, providing the financing. Um, so, and, and I don't, you know, I am seeing more of that, you know, in my brokerage practice. So it's interesting. So the availability of finance obviously impacts, um, uh, commercial real estate values. So on, on the volume side of debt and the, um, are, what, what are you seeing as a trend there, uh, from CBS and banks, obviously it, it's, it's slowed down for, for COVID and, and trying to figure out how to underwrite things. Um, but what, what do you see from your data? So, I, so what we see is that the, the market really took a bit of a vacation. Vacation is not the right word. Sorry, that's the wrong word. <laughs> no. took, a, took a hiatus. Um, staycation. Uh, yeah, staycation. I took a hiatus of new lending in March and April. Um, as everybody kind of level set and said, okay, what do I have right now? Um but everybody was back pretty much starting to lend by July. So the summer of the markets were open. We, we've, we, you know, the last of finance, the great recession in 07, 08, uh, we saw, I think it was a 19 month gap from one CMBS till the next CMBS. I think the gap this time was all of about 60 days. So again, there was not a breakdown in the markets. There was not a breakdown in the capital markets. There was not a breakdown in the lending community. Uh, it was, I mean, the economy shut down and it still hasn't gotten back to the, I mean, you look at the GDP numbers. I mean, they just uh, dropped off the rock globally and now they're coming back and they're starting to pick up again. Um, you know, the current situation with the resurgence of COVID in the, in the West is causing a lot of consternation and problems. Um, but the capital is still there. People still have long-term liabilities they need to meet and long-term obligations, and they have money they need to invest. So it's looking for the right opportunities. Um, you know, there's uh, transactions are being done. Um, pricing still hasn't quite settled down. I think there's still a bid-ask spread when it comes to buying and selling properties, but I think that bid-ask spread is compressing. Um, I think if you're, you know, in the retail business, you've still got a long road to go. If you're in the lodging business, um, if you're in the, you know, if you're in the business travel lodging business, I think you've got a, a longer road back because I don't know when business travel is going to pick up as much as we'd all like to get away from our families and, you know, actually be in a hotel and eat in a restaurant for a change. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know when it's going to come back in any sizable amount. Um, you know, you look at the airlines. I mean, they're while they're they're flying more now than they were six months ago. They're still flying only a fraction of what they were flying last year. And we're heading into the holiday season. I mean, this is normally when I, mean, I don't know if you've ever been in Chicago in the old days during Christmas season. I don't know. I seem to me for a string of years there, I was there every like the week before Christmas for whatever reason, I was always in O'Hare. And um, that was a, it was an amazing place to be because you had, you know, uh, young, young men and women who were on their first leave from basic training. So they had brand new dress uniforms on and they were going, trying to get back home to visit the family. And you had whole families traveling from one part of the country to another. We're not going to see that this year. Yeah. Yeah. I was in Chicago two weeks ago and it was, uh, just amazing how desolate the, the roads and, and the office buildings are. It was, uh, it was crazy. Um, well, Tom, what would you, um, leave our audience with related to advice for property owners, for asset managers uh, related to the debt world right now? Um, Don't borrow more than you need Um, and borrow it for as long as you can get it. Because the last thing you need is a liquidity crunch that you've got to refinance and something's going on that's going to stop you from doing that. I, I, I think you I think you have to if you're going to borrow money to invest in real estate, I think you have to you have to be an active manager of your debt. Just like you have to manage your property, you have to manage your borrowings. You have to stay in touch with your lenders. You have to talk to them regularly. Send them the financial reports they ask for. Don't wait for them to call you 50 times to get in the report. Get it to them so they know you're a good borrower. Um, I always remember, talk, this, is, this is 30 years ago, I was talking to someone who did uh, real estate workouts. And they said they knew which borrower was going to be trouble by how they treated the receptionist when they came in the office. Wow. If they were polite and they were, you know, and they were, you know, respectful of the receptionist, they were going to be a good borrower. They were going to try and work out. They came in thinking, you know, they were, they were master of the universe. They were going to be a complete pain in the, you know, what, if they got into trouble. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, I had the same thing happen. I have some properties and, um, one of my tenants was, um, hard to deal with, uh, before COVID. And now I've given this tenant a break for since COVID started. And now I'm kind of done with them. Um, it's like, you know what, you were, you were trouble before COVID. You're trouble now. Uh, let's end this uh, relationship. Well, Tom, what advice would you leave our audience with related to the debt side to, to lenders? You talked about kind of kicking the can down the road. You know, if uh, vaccines are going to come out in the first, second quarter, uh, if should they continue to kick the can down the road, what advice do you have for Linda? I mean, I, it, there is no general rule. You have to look at each bar and each situation. Uh, you know, the problem with being a lender is there's no upside. <laughs> there's no upside to lending somebody money. The best you're going to get is your money back according to the terms you agreed to. That's your best case. Everything else is, is a problem. Um, you know, we will come to the end of this. Um, you are going to have to work out some loans. You may have to foreclose on a couple pieces of property. Um, but on, try, to, try to sort out 
the borrowers you're dealing with from the ones that just got caught up in events and those that would be trouble even in the good times. And then, you know, be selective when you lend coming out the other side. Okay. Great advice. Well, Tom, great advice and uh, good information as usual. Thank you for joining Michael, us. Michael, it's always my pleasure. Call me anytime. All right. Well, thank you for joining us around the country. Let us know what you think. We'd appreciate hearing uh, your opinion. Thanks for connecting with us on your favorite social media. And until next week, be sure that you always lead, learn, and laugh. And join us for America's Commercial Real Estate Show. If you appreciate the show, think about the opportunity to do business or refer business to our sponsors. Bull Realty. For customized asset and occupancy solutions, visit bullrealty.com. Commercial Agent Success Strategies. For incredible commercial agent training, visit commercialagentsuccess.com. Vista Property Reports. Use smartphone location technology for commercial real estate due diligence. Visit vistapropertyreport.com slash CRE show. Core.green. Use ION technology to create a safer environment for your real estate. Visit core.green. For more commercial real estate intel, forecasts, and strategies, visit CREshow.com.